It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Somebody once said, one day your life will flash before your eyes. Make sure it's worth watching. Good morning, I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary. It's a look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. And I'm Jonathan, and that different perspective has its basis in three things. Godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Folks, thanks for joining us today. This is a call-in format. We are caller-friendly. So let's get ourselves started. Good morning, Jonathan. It's the new year. What's going on? Good morning, Rick. Well, you sound, first of all, very far away. Where are you? I'm just wandering around in my mind, you know, sometimes I'm far away like that. Uh, actually, Trish and I are in Chicago. We're at a Bible conference here. We're sitting at the home of uh, Doug and Julie in their dining room, uh, broadcasting from Chicago. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm back at the studio. We're missing you here. Well, thank you very much. Well, this morning, Rick, our question is, do you like what you see in the mirror? And our theme text is found in James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he is. So as I mentioned before, Jonathan, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And the question is, okay, Happy New Year, or is it? Have you asked yourself if you're happy and excited about this new year, or do you fear that the same old stuff is going to get in the way of the better life that you had imagined? When you look at your own character and your own track record, what do you see? Do you see accomplishment and progress, or do you see failure and backsliding? Do you see consistency and focus, or do you see sporadic efforts and distracted attention? Bottom line, do you want to do better? Do you want to be better, and do you want to feel better about where you stand? Well, folks, stay with us, because those are the kinds of things that we're going to talk about uh, this morning. Uh, Just want to put in a disclaimer, Jonathan. This is not a self-help program. This is a Bible help program. Okay, that sounds good. We're not going to be able to solve the problem for you, but we can point all of us to scriptural principles and ideas that can help us put these kinds of things in order so that we can actually make the kind of progress we'd like to make uh, in our uh, daily lives. Rick, Rick, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to spiritual growth for this upcoming year. Yeah, actually, so am I. I, I and, and, you know, at the new year, it's always a, a great thing to, to want to look forward to, to, to spiritual growth. And sometimes we're not just sure how to get there um, because we, th- these are the kinds of things that we always want, but you say, okay, great, good to want it, but what do I do now? How do I go from point A to point B? That's really the point here. So but let's get started. Let's go to a soundbite, Jonathan, to get us started. This is from, from YouTube, from Epiphio. They do a lot of very good, short, self-help kind of um, videos uh, from a video entitled How to Say No to Almost Anything. And this introduces a concept that we're going to really 
stay with for most of the program about the idea that we actually have two minds inside of our heads. I mean, people tell me I don't have a brain at all, so to have two <laughs> minds, like, hey, this is pretty good. <laughs> so let's, let's go to this soundbite. You know that feeling when you really want to accomplish something, but it seems like your brain is almost fighting against you. We actually have something more like two minds. That's Kelly McGonigal, author of The Willpower Instinct. Uh, we have one brain that is very responsive to our immediate needs, and when we're in that mindset, we tend to make choices that are inconsistent with our long-term goals. But we also all have this other brain, this other mindset that thinks about long-term consequences, remembers what our big values are, takes a kind of expansive view on our lives and our choices. And when we're in that mindset and that system of the brain is in control of our choices, we tend to do things that make our future self actually happier and healthier, more productive, more successful. So two brains, Rick. Two brains. It's, it's, it's good. Well, two minds. Okay. One brain. Okay minds okay and and you know the idea she said she we have an immediate needs brain and then the big values long-term consequences brain and her point was when we act based on the big values long-term consequences brain we end up doing better in our lives okay okay so we want to go through what we're going to call personal mirror management ideas and thoughts and techniques this morning and, and that's a that's a phrase you know I, I always like to talk about looking in the mirror when talking about certain things? Sure, sure. Today is definitely a looking in the mirror uh, kind of a program. So regarding personal mirror management, we've got to start with a question. On what basis do we judge ourselves when we look in the mirror? Okay? So this will be the typical approach. Uh, You know, let's go through these points, Jonathan. Is it on a basis of comparison to others? Which brain? Okay, so is, is, is our judgment of ourselves when we're looking in the mirror based on comparing to others? And for most of us, it is. You're, you, you walk right. into a room, right? You, you kind of assess what's going on, um, and, and then you, you make a judgment, you know, to where you fit in the pecking order. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not generally a good, good, positive, positive thing. We need to make that judgment in a, in a better way somehow. The question is, how do we get there? What's the next point? Is it on a basis resulting from peer pressure? And again, most often when we look in the mirror, the peer pressure around us makes us assess ourselves according to that immediate momentary need rather than something bigger. Next point, Rick, is is it on a basis of what we think we ought to be? All right. And again... If you're in that peer pressure mode where, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of judging yourself against the person next to you, then what you think you ought to be may not be very accurate because you're not really looking at thinking through the long-term brain. You're thinking through, oh, they look better than me or they're doing better than me. i got to do something different or i got to pull the rug out from under them so that I can catch up. <laughs> not very good, but hey. No, not at all. The next point, Rick. Is it on a basis of our actual performance relating to our goals? That's what we want to get to. How do we get there to, to get using the long-term mind rather than the short-term mind? So this is personal mirror management. Yes. Okay, so, so fortunately for us, scriptures give us a real sense of which brain to use and why. Let's go to James 1, 18 to 25, and, and Jonathan, these scriptures house our theme scripture. In the exercise of his will, 
He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Okay, that, I love this scripture because it helps us understand that when we're, if we are quick to hear and quick to act, or quick to hear and quick to speak, that it's our short-term brain taking over, and it's far too reactive. Uh, we need to slow down, we need to regroup, and we need to think, and then respond. And so ang- anger can come out really quickly when we're thinking of the short-term brain. Yeah, and see, that's the problem. It's reactive. Right. It's, it's very reactive, and reaction necessarily is not the best thing. We, we're looking for a response. That's how to re- reform your own life. So let, let's continue in James. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. See, now that's the long-term mind there, long-term mind in gear, because it's talking implanting something, and that's able to save your soul, your life. So that's a long-term proposition versus being reactive on things. And verse 22? But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So this is one of those things where it, it comes down to um, being able to really get what, what's, what's happening in your life by being a doer, putting in action the things that you've heard, rather than just sort of thinking about it. So when we prove ourselves doers, we're establishing a habit. You don't become a doer in anything unless you're establishing an actual habit. This will keep our focus where it belongs, long-term first, and then short, long-term first, and then short-term wants, and needs based on our long-term focus. And that's one of the big keys, Jonathan, right here, right now, two minds work based on the long-term focus to cover your short-term needs. Are you with me? I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So let's go, let's go to another soundbite. Um, this is from Brian Tracy. He is very much a self-help, goal-oriented guru. And this is from a, a, um, a, a YouTube video called Daily Habits of Successful People. And he's talking about good and bad habits. So let's take a look at what Brian Tracy has to say. Well, Aristotle said that 95% of everything you do is the result of habit. So the rule is form good habits and make them your masters rather than allowing bad habits to form. In fact, the other rule says this, is that good habits are hard to form but easy to live with. Bad habits are easy to form but hard to live with. Now, one of the turning points in my life and my studies of psychology was the discovery that all habits are learned and can be unlearned. Actually, you don't actually unlearn a habit. You simply replace a bad habit with a good habit that has more powerful power and impact. And how do you develop a good habit? You develop a habit by repetition. All right, so really it comes down to learning that we have to develop the good habit. How? Not just because you will it to be, but by repetition of what you say, what you do, what you think, over and over and over again. And again, the good habit has to be your master, and it really needs to be based on the mind that is long-term oriented. 
So, so let's go back to James 1, uh, verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So uh, that that is short-term mind all over the place right there. You know, you, 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 you get involved in that, and when you immediately forget, that means you have to re reassess it and refocus it again. And that's all short-term stuff, and that's not, that's not how you change your life. So without the long-term mind as a basis for our decisions, we simply get lost in the moments that currently surround us, and the next moment overrides the previous moment, and that's why we never get anywhere, because mm-hmm. we're stuck in that, in that cycle. It's so not true, Rick, so true. <laughs> Verse 25. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. So again, here, this is long-term mind, because if you're looking at the, you're looking intently at the perfect law of liberty, you're, you're, you're focusing yourself on something much bigger, and by definition, that has to be the long-term mind. So, so here, really, what we're what we're we're coming up with to begin the discussion on do you like what you see in the mirror? Is true blessings come from deciding to live daily based upon a God directed life and not based on moments? Well, Rick, w- wait a minute. Remember all the phrases that we we love is live in the moment or do the most important thing at every given moment. Are we supposed to forget that? Yeah, it does. It sounds like you're exactly con- we're exactly contradicting everything we've always said. Yes. Right. So how is it that you, you, you can do this, and, and what about the moment? So, so, Jonathan, we're about out of time for this segment, so let's pick that question up at the very beginning of the next segment. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, do you like what you see in the mirror? Coming up, how is it possible to see something different when you look in the mirror? What does God see? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Do You Like What You See in the Mirror? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you could message us on your app. And if you don't have your app on your smartphone, it's a free service. Just go to your app store and type in Christian Questions Radio. All right. So, so Jonathan, uh, let, let's go back to that point that we were making right at the end of the last segment. And you said, wait a minute, aren't you contradicting yourself? Because you're always telling us, live in the moment. Yeah, and, and, you, and, you, and you said, yeah, true, said true, true blessings come from deciding to live daily based upon a God-directed life and not on moments. So here's the difference. When we talk about living in the moment, it's not living based on the moment. There's a big difference between the two. When you're living in the moment, really, if you are truly living in the moment, 
you have that long-term mind of yours focused and in gear. Okay. And what's happening in the moment around you is not driving you. You can now respond to it. But if you're living your life based on the moment, what happens around you completely obliterates your, your long-term mind. Gotcha. That's the difference. So, yes, absolutely, positively, live in the moment, but make sure that living in the moment is all about being based on your long-term mind, not that short-term, I need, I want, oh, no, no, what do I do? I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way I sound. You know, I'm too short. You know, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. All right. that, that's the difference. So let's get back now to some more personal mirror management and, and dig down into this thing a little bit. Whatever the image we see looking back at us through the mirror, and this is important, whatever image we see looking back at us through the mirror tells us what is the foremost, what it is that is foremost in our minds. Okay? This realization is alarming and even depressing at first because most of us don't like what we see when we look in the mirror. You're right, Rick. You're okay? right. So if we really don't like what we see when we're looking in the mirror, it's telling us what is foremost in our minds, and it's our image, not who we really are. Okay. All right? So our challenge, therefore, is to learn to see in our reflection what God sees in us. Now, how do we do that? Exactly. How, how do we know what God is thinking and what he sees in us? And this really, Jonathan, especially when you're looking at New Year and New Year's resolutions and all that kind of thing, this is the multi-million dollar question, okay? This is the transformative question. So one way is to take some time to focus on how far and wide God sees as compared to how dimly and narrowly we see. Now, whenever we want to figure things out like this, we go to a certain book, God's Word. (laughs) That's right. Isaiah chapter 40 actually does this. Now, this chapter is well-known. It has the well-known verses about mounting up with wings as eagles. Oh, I love that verse. That's one of my favorites. And it's one of my favorites, and it's it's an often quoted verse. And every, you know, renew your strength, mount up with wings as eagles, run and don't be weary, walk and not faint. It's like, yeah, I want that. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. Well, let's look at the recipe that the chapter gives us for making this image that God sees, one that we see. Because Isaiah 40 actually walks us through some their lengthy steps. Before we go there, though, let's go back to Epiphio, the, the, the uh, soundbite. Remember, the first soundbite was from Epiphio about the two minds. And now they're talking about three powers that each and every one of us has. And these are really important powers to help us understand where we want to go with our lives. So let's listen to this. Many people think of willpower as the ability to resist temptation, but willpower is actually three powers. I will power, I won't power, and I want power. I won't power is what we typically think of as willpower. It's the ability to resist temptation. I will power. That's the ability to remember that you want the consequences of doing this difficult thing. And the third power, I want power, the ability to walk around the world with a clear memory of what it is you care about most, so that when you're deciding what to eat for lunch, it's not an automatic choice, but actually in that moment, you think about your desire for health. And actually what willpower does is it allows you to put your energy and attention on exactly what it is you want and what you care about. So, and Jonathan, just one, one 
minor minor point on some of these sound bites they're coming from videos so there's all kinds of activity and sounds in the background yes it's all just the background of the sound bites from a video um but she, she talks about really really very very critical pieces of, of of building this this structure of of being able to look in the mirror and see what's really there the three powers, I will power, I won't power, and I want power. And that's all part of our discipline, our desire. And it's important to realize that it's just, you know, willpower is just not saying, okay, I'm not doing that. But it's implementing the I want power and the I won't power to be able to make progress in your life. And it's based on that long-term focus, not right. the short-term moment. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you take the two minds, you take the long-term mind, and then once you understand the difference between the short-term, I need, I don't want right now, right now, right now, and and the long-term, now you put the willpower thing in place, and you're starting to come up with actual tools on how to do this. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to do something a little different because we usually like to read through the scriptures, but these are just too long. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to sum up different portions of Isaiah chapter 40, uh, because this chapter is a lesson on what God sees, and therefore what we should see. It's a personal mirror management lesson. And folks, if you do not subscribe to Seeker Rewind, the full edition, please do so, because in the bonus material, we're going to have an extended look at Isaiah chapter 40 that breaks it down in pieces and gives extra comments as to how it all fits together. So let's start with Isaiah chapter 40, Jonathan, verses 1 to 3. What happens in verses 1 to 3? Well, Rick, it begins with Israel ending their double of disfavor. Now, when you, you, you talk about the double of disfavor, you say, what are you talking about? This is a real neat Bible study, isn't it? It is. This all by itself. And, and just a very, very short answer on that. Israel went through a, a period of favor. God being God's chosen people for 1,845 years. And then at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus said, you know, your house is left to you desolate. The prophecies indicated that they would have a period of disfavor that was equal to the period of previous favor, which actually comes to an end, or came to an end in the late 1800s. So there's a little bit more about that in, in the bonus material, but this is important because the, it begins with the ending of that disfavor. So God shows us uh, unalterable care for his people Israel. He literally, and you think about this, he knew that they needed to have a period of punishment, but he literally counted the years until the consequence of disfavor could be lifted. And that shows you how much God cares. He doesn't just punish and say, aha, I'm going to get you. He punishes with eternity in mind and says it's going to last for so long because that will be enough. Oh, so he uses the long-term thought there process. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think you're getting this. <laughs> it's the long-term mind. God only has a long-term mind. So that, that is a great observation on that. Okay, verses 4 to 8 in Isaiah 40. It progresses to the collapsing of the world's ways before God. So this These verses in Isaiah 40 show us how God cannot and will not allow injustice and sin to continue. He sees the beginning and the end and shows us how to see the same. And that's really important. He sees it, and by giving us the prophecy, he's showing us 
how to see what he sees. And that's good news, what he sees. Oh, <laughs> you can't get better than that. Uh, verses 9 through 11. Well, he reminds us of the responsibility of the church to spread the good news and God's care for them. Okay, so he's reminding them, based on these things, he's reminding us, those true followers of Christ, uh, what, what's most important. In God's eternal sight, these those whom he has called to follow Jesus as his own precious and worthy vessels to carry and spread the hope of his plan. And Rick, it's hard to imagine because we're talking the Old Testament here, but we're talking about Christians, the gospel. Right. It, it's prophesied here in Isaiah of what we're to do? You know, it's so important, I'm glad you brought that up, because it's so important to be able to realize that the Old Testament is a vital player in the carrying out of God's plan. And God knew ahead of time so many of the details, so we can be assured that he's not making it up as he goes. He's creating it and then executing it as he goes. Big difference. Uh, Verses 12 to 17 of Isaiah 40. It proclaims the utter might and greatness of God. Okay, so Isaiah sees and shouts out God's utter greatness uh, related to the physical earth as well as to, to the human family. And again, we're not reading the verses. We just don't have the time. We want to give an overview and a background. Verses 18 to 20. Compares God to idols fashioned by the hands of men. So Isaiah is shown the stark contrast between the God of all creation and foresight against the puny, faulty, and useless gods that his own humans, human creations make and build. And we still do that. You're right, you know, we do. We, still, we don't do it quite the way they used to, but we still do it. And then finally, verses 21 to 25. Responds to idols with a practical and scientific view of God's greatness. Scientific view. Yes, there is science in the Bible. You can rewind the full edition. is going to show you that on these verses. God reveals the edge of the depth of his knowledge and power regarding our earth and our human rulers. And there is incredible science in these verses that could not have been known by a human being at the time. But seek your rewind the full edition, get the, uh, look at the bonus material, and you'll see that. So all of this incredible prophecy and power helps us to see God as he really is. It also reminds us that we are seen by the Almighty God as viable and valuable, and that we need to get past ourselves to see that viability and value as well. This brings us to our first of the four personal management principles uh, that we're getting from the Isaiah scriptures. And so what's the first point, Jonathan? And and right before the first point, Rick, I had a question. Before we do this, aren't we supposed to have humility and see ourselves small compared to God our Father? But you're saying we're supposed to be viable and have value. and uh, Is that showing pride in ourselves? See, you really really don't let me get away with anything this morning, do you? (laughs) See, what that is, is to see viability and value in yourself, is to simply see yourself as God sees you. So that's not not pride. It's not puffed up, then. No, it's fact. See, too often we see our lives through the stories that we make up, not through the facts of God's view of us. So... If God says the true church is going to be responsible to do these things for me, then, look, if you're responsible to do something for God, I think you're pretty valuable. I don't know. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
<laughs> Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 6, 7, wait, what time is it? 7 to 9. <laughs> it's, it's earlier here in Chicago. It is. Okay? I know. So you have the wrong time there. <laughs> 7 to 9 Eastern, 6 to 8 Central. That means you're on right now. Christian Questions, a voice of reason in a world that's lost its way. Keep in touch at ChristianQuestions.com. Okay, Rick, I'm going to get to the first point that you want me to get to. Look look up to him who is truly mighty and embrace his power and wisdom. Okay. The first point is you've got to look up. If you're going to look at your reflection, you've got to look up. Isaiah 40, 26 to 31. This is the section of verses we're going to really focus on. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number, he calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. So it's talking about the stars in the universe and saying it's the same God that is touching your life that put those stars in place. If he can keep those stars in place, don't you think he can take care of your puny little self? That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> it is it's just one of these marvelous, marvelous pictures. Uh, Jonathan, let's take a moment here. And go to a, a soundbite from a movie, okay? This is from a movie, uh, the name is Joyful Noise. It came out in 2012. It had Queen Latifah in it and with many others. I just want to set the context. It's about a church choir um, that uh, they, they come from a place that they don't have a lot of money, but they're very talented, and they have a new choir director. Queen Latifah is, is the new choir director, and she's trying to get the kids to focus on doing things in a, in a God-honoring way. And the, these are teenage kids. They're kids. They want to strut their stuff and all of this. So we're going to drop in on this during the rehearsal where they had talked her into letting them do a, a, a pop song for this choir contest. So let's just listen to a little bit of the interchange because there's a line here that, that is really transformative. I'm going to make a change for once in my life. Right now, you sing it too wild. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. Okay, this is why I shouldn't let y'all talk me into doing pop songs in church. Now, don't you bring all that Mariah Christina mess up in here. I don't care about hearing you. I want to hear God through you. That last what? line. I don't care about hearing you. I want to hear God through you. That is the essence of what we're trying to get to here, is how can we see the reflection of ourselves and see God through us in that reflection, the way she's trying to get these young people to express themselves in a godly fashion. Our resolve should be for others to hear God through us and see God through us. But, Jonathan, here's the thing. This can only, because, you know, every Christian says, oh, yeah, I want that. Oh, for sure. But this can only be done if we can see God through ourselves when we look in the mirror, because that's what he sees. So that's the challenge. That's the circumstance. That is what we have to begin to focus our lives on. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning Do you like what you see in the mirror? Coming up, as we look up to God, while looking in the mirror, what will we see? That's next.
You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, Do You Like What You See in the Mirror? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.com. All right, so, so Jonathan, the first point of the Isaiah 40 section of that chapter that talks about mounting up with wings as eagles, you know, the, to get to that point, the first thing we have to do is look up and realize that God is above all and God is the powerful one. We've got to look to Him, not to ourselves. So what's now, what's the second point? Realize that His understanding and His eye notice and respond to all things. Okay, and so let's go to Isaiah 40, verses 27 through 28. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. So literally, the word inscrutable, literally, his intelligence is beyond investigating. It is so big, so powerful, so right, so perfect, that, you know, to investigate it is useless because you, you, you can't find out anything. You can't uncover any little secret. Right. <laughs> There's nothing to print in a tabloid, okay, about the intelligence and, 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 and understanding of God. It's just, it's like, you know, God made a mistake. Newsflash, no, it's not going to happen. So it's the human nature, it, it is human nature for us to put aside God's protective power in our lives because we generally preoccupy ourselves with our own interpretations and stories of God's protective power. And we make up things that are just not real. So for personal mirror management, going back to that, 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 that premise, for us to see God through us in the mirror, we have to apply personal discipline to our understanding and applying understanding God. So what that all means, Jonathan, is we can see God in the wrong way. Ooh, that's not good. No. We can look at him and we can, we can assume that there are things about God, but unless they're verifiable in Scripture... We can't go with them. And we know that God is just, wise, powerful, and loving. That's what the scriptures say. So anything outside of that is a wrong perception of God. So we've got to get to the discipline to see it correctly. Let's go to another soundbite from Brian Tracy, Daily Habits of Successful People. He's going through a list of several uh, things in terms of goal setting, and he's touching on a, a fifth and a sixth point, which are honesty and discipline. Let's listen. One of the most important habits is that of character and honesty, is always tell the truth no matter what the price. And the final characteristic, the final habit is that self-discipline. And I have written and spoken upon this for years and years and years, but self-discipline seems to be the foundation habit that makes everything else possible. And the best definition of self-discipline is that self-discipline is the ability to make yourself do what you should do when you should do it, whether you feel like it or not. You see, anybody can do it if they feel like it. 
It's when you don't feel like it and you do it anyway that you eventually develop the self-discipline that makes everything else possible. Okay, so the idea of self-discipline is anybody can do something when they feel like doing it. Sure, that's easy. But self-discipline is getting down to when you don't feel like it, you make yourself do what it is that you need to do. Because of the long-term memory, the right. goal Long- in mind. Right, because you see something bigger, and even though you don't feel like being there, you respond using your long-term mind precisely, exactly. So to get that discipline in gear, the problem, the challenge is that there's lots of attitudes, human attitudes that we have that don't get in the way. Okay, so what, what, let's go through some of the attitudes that keep us from understanding and accepting the depth of God's power in us, because that's what Isaiah 40, 27 to 28 is telling us. You've got to realize how powerful he is in your life. Remember, his understanding is inscrutable. So what are the, some of the, the attitudes that keep us from that? How about pride? Let's start there, Rick. I think that's probably the best place to start. Proverbs 16, 17 to 19. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Our personal pride uh, stifles our seeing the inscrutable understanding of God. Okay, what about uh, another point? Anger and jealousy, Rick. Uh, Proverbs 27.4. Wrath is fierce and anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy? So these attitudes cause us not only to see what they're focused uh, on and not God's real power in our lives. See, that's the problem, is when we look at these attitudes, we look at what they're focused on and we miss what God is focused on. So how can we see God through ourselves if we're all all messed up with pride, anger, and jealousy. And I think a s- solution for that one is forgiveness. God forgave us for our sins by giving us his son. We need to forgive others and not be jealous of others either. See, so I'm going to tell you the problem, and Jonathan's <laughs> going to tell you the solution. That's just the way it's going to work here. Uh, let, let's go to another soundbite from Epiphio. I uh, want to get through this. Uh, there, there are three, so talking about, remember the three uh, willpowers, uh, you know, I will, I, I want, and I won't. So let's kind of get a sense of concluding that thought. So if we want to change automatic behavior prompted by that short-term part of our brain, we can't just rely on I won't willpower, which will eventually wear down. We also have to tap into I will willpower, like whenever I'm tempted to eat a piece of chocolate cake, I will eat a handful of carrots instead. Or I want willpower. Like when I'm tempted to smoke, I'll remind myself that I really want to be alive to see my grandchildren. By doing this, we're tapping into new sources of willpower, and it will make changing those behaviors that much easier. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I don't know about the chocolate cake, Jonathan. I know. Carrot, you know, chocolate cake, yeah. Chocolate cake. Uh, yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> but anyway, the point is... Using the I won't willpower is a really good place to start, but that doesn't get you there. And so often when we make a New Year's resolution, I won't do this anymore. I won't do that, yep. But we don't replace it with the I want and I will, and those things based on our long-term mind to help us to elevate our behavior. A couple of other points, Jonathan. We won't read the scriptures, but just, just let's make the points. All right, greed. Other, other, other attitudes that are going to keep us from 
focusing on looking up to God's understanding instead of our own. Well, greed is a bad attitude. Yeah, it is. What else? Ego. How about ego? So Luke twelve fifteen and Luke sixteen fourteen and 15, they'll be in Seeker Rewind, the full edition, uh, quoted out for you. These attitudes can cause us not only to see that which we want in our selfishness and cause us to ignore God's attention and response in our lives. See, they, they cause us to look at what I need or I feel like I need right now because I'm living based on the moment rather than seeing what we need in our long-term mind so we can live in the moment. Big, big difference between those two things. Absolutely. Um, want to go to another soundbite, and then we'll see if we can get a, a phone call in. But I want to go back to that movie, Joyful Noise. And remember, in the previous soundbite, you know, the, 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 the director, the choir director, interrupts the kids, and the girl is singing. She's got she's great, great, great talent. And her, her message was, I don't want to hear you. I want to hear God through you. So now they're going through the rehearsal, and you watch the movie, and you see this girl, you see her face change, and you see joy begin to come out of her rather than performance. So let's just listen because it's a wonderful song that really has a lot to do with what we're dealing with. You know, Man in the Mirror is the song that they're beginning to sing. So let's listen to this verse. As I turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat, this wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street with not enough to eat. Who am I to be blind, pretending not to see their need? A summer's disregard, a broken bottle top, and a one-man they follow each other on the wind, you know Cause they got nowhere to go That's why I want you to know I'm starting with the man in the mirror I'm asking him to change his ways And no message could have been any clearer If you want to make the world a better place Take a look at yourself and then make and Jonathan, if when you watch the video and when you watch the movie, you see this transformation and you see the pure joy of the message, which is a really awesome message. You know, you want to make the change and you see what's that going on in the world. How do you make change in the world? You look at, at the man in the mirror and say, okay, it's time to make a change. And what we're suggesting is you make that change based on godly principles, based on God's long-term view of you, not what you feel or think. Well, That's where we're going with it. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Oh, nope. Julius is no longer with us, so let's continue on. Okay. So what, one other point, and Julius hopefully will call back uh, you know, in the second hour. Good. One, one other point in terms of things that keep us away from seeing God's long-term view of us. Now, so far we just touched on a few things. We touched on pride, anger and jealousy, greed and ego. One more. How about laziness and ease? Uh, what about it? Let's read that scripture, Jonathan. Proverbs sixteen thirteen to 15. The sluggard saith, There is a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets, 
As the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth the sluggard upon his bed. The sluggard buryeth his head in the dish. It wearieth him to bring it again to his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I love that verse because, you know, the sluggard, the the, the lazy person says, Oh, hey, there's a lion in the street. You better watch out. Yeah. Hmm. Then, you know, just like the hinges, you know, go back and forth. He just turns back over on his bed from side to side to side. Too lazy to feed himself. His face is in the dish. He can't lift up the fork. <laughs> That's pretty bad, man. <laughs> so, so, but here's the thing, Jonathan. Laziness, along with these other attitudes, what they do is they diffuse discipline. We have to, you know, we have to fight by looking up, by claiming God's hand in our reflection. And that's a hard thing to do. Uh, it, it, we have to decide that what we're going to look at is going to be God in us and through us and not what we see. You know, you know Trish, during one of the breaks, um, was, was telling me a, a, an experience that uh, she had gone through a, some very traumatic experiences and, and, and a friend of hers gave her a, a, a little stone, a, like a gratitude stone to remind her of gratitude. And you could see a reflection in it. And early in the experience, she didn't, wouldn't look at the stone unless she was looking at it in the light because she could see a reflection. She didn't like what she saw. And this is exactly what we're talking about. And through going through the recovery of the experience, she was able to begin to look at that stone and see a reflection and say, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's good. Because seeing God through her and working through her is, was the image that was now reflecting back. Same stone, same person, different perception. And the whole point of learning to like what we see in the mirror is learning to see God through us so that when we speak, others can begin to hear God through us. And so when we act, others can begin to see God's actions through us. And all of this, of course, is through Christ. You know, none of this works without the ransom, the sacrifice of Jesus, and the example that he laid out for us. So it really is all about looking in the mirror, learning how what really is there, not in your own eyes, not in this moment, not with the peer pressures, not with all of the stuff, what's there that God sees and God calls. Look in the second hour. How do we actually transform ourselves act happen? Not out in your area for the second hour. Go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live. Okay, stay with us. This is really important. Out of an written Christian Questions. Like. We'll be back after the news and all that, but till then. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. You're tuned into Christian Questions. Join the conversation now on air or online at ChristianQuestions.com and download our app by searching for Christian Questions Radio. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Aaron Lamb once said, A year from now, you will wish you had started today. 
Boy, is that ever powerful. Good morning, folks. Welcome back. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. So, Jonathan, it is the uh, second, third day of uh, 2016. What's our subject? Well, Rick, our question is, do you like what you see in the mirror? And our theme text is found in James chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And that is such a wonderful scripture because it reminds us how, how fleeting we are in what we do if we don't really focus on the bigger picture. We just, we just not, we're not going to get anywhere. We're going to dig a hole by, trying, by spinning our wheels to try to get traction in our lives to resolve to change them. Let's just quickly recap some of the things we talked about in the first hour. Um, we usually look in the mirror and see a reflection that is riddled with our own faults and deficiencies, right? We look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. Exactly. Funny thing, when the Almighty God looks at us, He sees chosen vessels capable of carrying His truth and His hope to others. The two don't seem to match. How do we change what we see to be more in line with what God sees? And, Jonathan, we've been going through personal mirror management principles to to get to the answer to that. Isaiah chapter 40, remember, uh, reveals the might, power, and prophetic prowess and protection of God toward us. For us to lock onto these things, we need to do two things. There were two points, Jonathan. What were they? Well, the first point was we have to look up to him who is truly mighty and embrace his power and wisdom. And And the the second point? Second is, realize that his understanding and his eye notice and respond to all things. So, we've got to look up and realize it's his power and might, and then realize his understanding notices everything. Yes. And if we can can absorb those two points, then we can begin to prepare ourselves to take some action. Jonathan, why don't we go to the phone? All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, Rick and Jonathan and the whole team, I've been meaning to uh, thank you for the beautiful Christmas program last week. Oh, thanks. Thank You're you. welcome. Yeah. Uh, direct answer to your question. <laughs> Too often, I don't like what I see in the mirror. <laughs> Not only the physical, but as well as the uh, spiritual uh, progress that I make. And I have much to learn. Anyhow, uh, every Sunday morning, you draw a bigger and better picture of God. I like to see that. I love to see the, the, the beautiful uh, uh, definitions from uh, uh, God's character you give from God's word. That's why I, 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 I love to listen to your program, your Bible study. Uh, number two, I like your thought on long-term investment. Mm-hmm. The best advice I've ever gotten from a uh, financial planner, Julius, long-term, great advice. And number three, uh, my friend John, a local wonderful man, Christian man, he uh, he shares some James of truth with me once in a while, and he gave this one to me. He says, uh, Julius, he says, the three, three aspects to the, to the mirror. Number one, what we see. Number two, what others see in us. 
And number three, what God sees in us. Thank you. Thank you, Joey. Appreciate your call. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. And, and that point, that's a, that's a point that's well taken. You know, what we see, what others see, and what God sees. What we need to do, though, in our lives is to truly learn how to capture what God sees so we can see the same thing, because that's how change can happen in our lives. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday morning from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. And go to ChristianQuestions.com and interact with us on Facebook, and you can tweet us at CQNet Radio. And, you know, just want to mention also, we're live in Croatia. We are. <laughs> got, a, got a message uh, through the app, the Christian Questions app, because you can hear us anywhere in the world live. Uh, someone in Croatia said, is, is just letting us know they're listening. They said, this is a lovely program. So we appreciate that uh, very, very much. Jonathan, let's go back. We were starting to tell the story of the movie Joyful Noise that was put out in 2012 about a, a youth choir that has to work through challenges and difficulties and setbacks to get to the point where they're actually good at what they do. And I want to replay the soundbite that we, we started with them because in their rehearsal, the kids in the choir talked to the new choir director into doing a pop song, Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror song for, for the competition. And they're all about strutting their stuff, showing what they got in all of this. And the choir director confronts the lead singer and tells her something with great profound impact that changes the attitude of the choir. And we can take that same thing and change our own attitude. So let's just listen to that interchange uh, one more time. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. Right now, you sing it too wild. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. Okay, this is why I shouldn't have let y'all talk me into doing pop songs in church. Now, don't you bring all that Mariah Christina mess up in here. I don't care about hearing you. I want to hear God through you. I could listen to that line all day long. I don't want to hear you. I want to hear God through you. So now, what's the third point here in this whole Isaiah scripture um, to, to get us to the point of seeing that right, that, that proper image in the mirror? Believe that he is an endless power source compared to those in the prime of life and to those who are even the mightiest in the eyes of men. This is where it gets really intense and awesome, Jonathan. Let's go back to Isaiah 40, uh, verses 29 and 30. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. The youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous men stumble badly. So it talks about he gives strength to the weary, okay? To, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. And then there's the comparison. The young ones grow weary. The vigorous young men stumble badly. And so he's saying, look at the power that strength that God can give you. It's better than the best of the best. Wow. That, but that's how you, what you have to learn to see in the mirror. See, we're, here's the thing. We're creatures of habit. Once we begin to judge ourselves as less than others or not as strong as, or, and talented as others or whatever it is, we begin to settle into the complacency of mediocre expectations. 
And unless that complacency is altered, the reflection that we see of ourselves will be one of lack and powerlessness. Rick, doesn't that makes me think of, you know, Satan would love us to be in this mindset, wouldn't he? Yes. <laughs> to keep us lack, down. Yeah, yeah. Lack and powerlessness, powerlessness engage pride. And when we engage pride, it's all bets are off because we are now following a story rather than the reality of what God sees in us. So there's a problem there, Jonathan, and I bet you have a solution. Oh, I do, Rick. I love the scripture. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And so, and what, what you're saying in that scripture is, it's through Christ, it's through his example, it's through his strength, it's through his grace, it's through his, his interaction in our lives that we can overcome these things. Yes. And then see ourselves the way God sees us. Let's go back to uh, another, another soundbite. This is from The Power of Habit. This is from Epiphio, same source but a different, a different program. And this is really important because they're talking about how habits all have three parts. So let's listen, listen to this. So if you're like me, you probably have at least a few bad habits you would like to break. But it's tough because no matter how hard I try, I seem to slip back into the same old routines again and again. In the last decade, we've learned a lot about how habits work. That's Charles Duhigg, author of the book, The Power of Habit. And in particular, we've learned the neurological structure of a habit. He says that we tend to think of habits as a single thing, but actually... Each habit has three components. There's a cue, which is like a trigger for a behavior to start. And then there's a routine, which is the behavior itself. And then finally, a reward, which is how our brain learns to encode that automatic behavior for the future. Okay, the power of habit. Habits have three parts. The cue, that's what gets it started. The routine, what the behavior is. And then the reward. Every bad habit we have, there is some kind of reward at the end. Now, it may not be the greatest looking reward. And you may say, why would you want that reward? But that's the reward we get. And that's what we're used to. And that's why we have habits. So what we need is new habits of self-observation. Once we look up, remember that was that first point? to God's power and then realize uh, his care, that's the second point, we're now positioned to believe that he actually will energize our weary souls. So you look up, you realize, and now you can begin to believe. So the personal management, mirror management principle here is what can help us fuel such a radical new habit of self-observation? And there's an important question here we want to spend the rest of the segment on last couple of minutes. What fuels you in your life enough to break an old habit by replacing it with a new one? Now, that's a good question. What does it take to give you the energy to step out from where you have been and begin to look at things differently? And we've got a few suggestions here. First suggestion, would true rest from your burdens fuel you? What would bring you to believe that that's possible? Let's look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said this. He was, is, and always will be the centerpiece of God's plan. Are you willing to begin to see your reflection as a reflection of one who dwells in the peace of God through Christ? Because that's what Jesus just said. Come to me, 
if you're if you're weary and heavy laden, I can give you rest if you let me. Now he didn't say that in the verse, but that's what he meant. That's right. He told me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he meant. If you let me, I can release you. So you know, true rest. Could that fuel you to change that, to make that radical self-observation change? Would, would the solemn word of God be good fuel for you? What would help you believe God's word over your own word? Let's go to Isaiah 45, 22 to 24. Turn to be, me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness, and I will not turn back to... That to my, that to me, every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Men will come to him, and all who are angry at him will be put to shame. So, this is God's word and character. And it's showing us that they are the most dependable forces in the entire universe. Now, now, think about that, Jonathan. You know, we think of the powers of nature as being the most powerful things. No. The power of God's word and character are above that because it's out of God's word and character that came all of those other things. So and, we're dealing with the most powerful thing in the universe. And the thing I was thinking about, about is in advance of the rest of the world, um, you know, giving their allegiance to God, we have the privilege in advance now. And since yes. everyone's going to anyway, why not? Change habit and do it now. Right, because you have that character and word and will right before you. So his word has promised us his care. And the question, folks, is are you willing to begin seeking your reflection as one who stands in the palm of God's hand? When you look in the mirror now, are you going to be looking to see yourself standing in the palm of God's hand rather than that anxious? This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject is, do you like what you see in the mirror? Coming up, so we look up, realize, and believe. How do we translate those things into a new reflection? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do you like what you see in the mirror? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL, or you can message us on your app. And uh, don't forget to sign up for CQ Rewind, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service, and you get so much for that, uh, just, just for signing up. Each program is laid out for you. It's got graphics and illustrations. You get all the scriptures, a lot of the commentary. And Jonathan, with a program like this, it's a very, very valuable tool, because the whole point is, we're not satisfied with who we are and what we, what we do, and we don't like what we see when we look in the mirror. Okay, this is some real practical steps and tools to change all of that. So Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, available exclusively at ChristianQuestions.com. Okay, so Jonathan, last segment we were talking about, all right, we've got to make a radical change in our self-perspective. 
what would fuel you to do that? We talked about a couple of suggestions. One more suggestion on that. Would the ability to cast fear aside fuel you? Would it get you excited? What must your belief be based on to replace your fear with courage? And that's a powerful thing because it most is. of us are afraid. Yes, absolutely. So 1 John four sixteen to 18. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is, is, by this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but fear casts, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. All right, so all of what God has done, all of what he does, and all of what he will do are a reflection of his love. So the question, the personal question is, are you willing to begin seeing your reflection as a reflection of the very character of God himself? Remember, the principle is God through you, not just showing, you know, what you got, but it's God through you. So we have to have that same reflection of love coming out of us. Exactly. And it can't be just any kind of love. It's got to be the love of God because that is what our, our whole lives is supposed to be focused on. There's a, there's a really good uh, quote from Albert Hubbard. The greatest mistakes you can make in life is to be continually fearing you will make one. <laughs> so the whole idea is we're so afraid of making mistakes that we, 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 we opt for inactivity. And what he's saying is the greatest mistake in life is to opt for inactivity because then you're sure to fail. fail. You don't, you, we need to learn to not be afraid of making mistakes, but we need to learn. And my, my Uncle Tony, when I was a teenager, he was a, a, a physical mentor for me in terms of athletics and so forth, and he would always say to us, make your mistakes with the greatest of confidence. And I want to add to that, make your mistakes with the greatest of confidence in God's overruling power as long as you are making your mistakes by attempting to do God's will, not your own. And really, Rick, it's pride that holds you back from trying because you'll look bad if you make a mistake. So it's that, it's that self that's really holding you up. Yes, absolutely, positively. And it's a matter of what do you want to see in your reflection in the mirror. All right, so... We've got, we've got these points, you know, about, about uh, you know, believing and, and, and looking up and understanding God. Now we get to the, to the really big point, Jonathan. What is it? The fourth point on these Isaiah scriptures. It's trade in your old source of strength and put on his strength, for it is only then that we can mount up with wings and not become weary. Okay. That's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. This is that very famous very inspirational verse. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now in the King James Version it says, yet those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. And it sounds like you got tired and then you get your second wind. That's not it at all. That's why we rephrase this fourth point. Trade in 
your old source of strength and put on his strength. Because the word literally means you will get a new source of strength. It means it's like changing your clothes. Literally, that's what the word comes from. Wow, it's like a supercharged or, (laughs) I mean, wow, from God. Right, and the point is the strength doesn't come from you. That's the point. So, so the personal mirror management principle here, to, to wait, because it says, wait for the Lord. This requires two things. One, there has to be faith, else you would not wait. Two, there has to be patience. And this patience is built directly on the foundation of the faith that's present. So, the greater the faith, the greater the patience. And the greater the patience, the greater the opportunity for fulfillment. Because one thing about God, Jonathan, is we make a New Year's resolution and we say, I'm going to do this starting today. And we do it maybe for a day or two, and after three days we're toast. Yep, and we forget. We do. And God takes the other track, and he slowly and methodically builds that new strength in us. And it takes time, and it takes patience. And it takes faith that as we are attempting to do his will, he will fill in the gaps for us. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. And that means we're on right now. Out from the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. All right. Um, let's go. Let's go back to um, the sound. The sound bites uh, from the power of habit from Epiphio. Remember, they were talking about habits have three parts. You have the cue. You have the the actual habit. Then you have the reward. Um, let's, this next sound bite is going to focus on cues and rewards, and and their part in in the in the actual habit. And one of the big differences is that for years, when people thought about habits. They focus in on the routine, on the behavior. But what we now know is that it's these cues and these rewards that really shape how habits occur and how to change them. And Charles says that whether we like it or not, this kind of habit formation is endemic to our brain. And what it will do is our brain will latch onto a cue that it associates with a behavior and a particular reward. And over time, that cue and that reward become more and more and more sort of intertwined, particularly part of your brain named the basal ganglia, will relate them together. And the behavior that's associated with that, that will just sort of happen automatically. So really, if you want to change your habits, one of the first things you have to look at is what starts the habitual reaction? What's the cue? What's the thing that happens actually before the habit comes goes into gear? And then you want to look at why do I react this way through habit? What, what reward am I getting as a result of acting this way because of the habit? So you've got to realize that the cue and the reward are just as vital to understand and deal with as the actual habit itself. And I think, Jonathan, that's why most of us, when we try to change our habits, fail. We do. Because we don't look at what got me going on this and what do I feel like I get out of this. So this is a really important part in what it takes to change our reflection, the the reflection that we see in the mirror. Trade in your old source of strength and put on new strength. You see, because when we go to the mirror, we have a habit 
of what we're going to look for, right? Yep. And, and so we look, we see exactly what we expect, and then the reward, you know, it's funny, because sometimes the reward is, uh, is self-loathing. Sometimes the reward is very negative, but it's, that's what we are looking for. That's what's feeding the habit. So when we understand the cue and the reward, then we can begin to deal with the habit. But then, how, how can we refocus our minds um, through these habits? Do, we should ask ourselves, is this habit my long-term desire or is it just uh, a quick fix of what my body wants, my flesh wants? So, again, you're going back to the two minds that we started the program. Yes. The, the, the immediate mind that wants that, that gratification, that answer, that solution right here, right now to make you feel better in the moment versus the long-term mind that says, my life is built on this, something bigger, so even if the, in the moment it doesn't look quite right, I know where I'm going. Yes. And so you're right. That's how you fix it is you have to look at the cue and say, okay, which mind? Let me shift. Let me make the conscious shifting to the long-term mind versus the short-term mind. And this is the action step here. We started by looking up, remember, looking up to God Mm -hmm. and refocusing our minds. Then we went to see the realization stage, which is the natural outgrowth of looking elsewhere. You know, you begin to realize things differently when you've looked for something. All right? Once we see and absorb what we have looked up to and begun to realize, once we see and absorb it, we can then believe it. And if our belief is sound enough, then we can act. And that's why the 40th chapter of Isaiah, even though it's full of prophecies, when you break it down, God is setting this process up for us in that chapter. He's giving us all the reasons why he's so great and we're so small. So let's go to, to 2 Corinthians five sixteen to 19. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. All right. Now, this, this is kind of cool, because when you look in the mirror, you're seeing your, your flesh, right? Right, exactly. You're seeing your person. And when we look at other people, we see their person. But what this scripture is saying is we don't recognize anyone according to the flesh. Now, that's a weird statement. Like, I'm looking at you, what do I say? So, is, so is this a paradigm shift? Around you or something? Is this a paradigm shift that we need to have? Exactly. See, that's exactly what it is. It is a really clear decision to say, we look upon one another and see Christ in them, the hope of glory. And when we choose to do that, like you said, we have this paradigm shift, and we see something far more valuable in them. So rather than looking at our peer, maybe someone we go to church with, and, and you know, they always dress better than we do, or they always make a better comment in the study than we do, or whatever it is, rather than seeing that, if we see God through them, then our response to them is going to change. So the cue is going to be, I want to see Christ in them. The response is going to be, oh, how beautiful that is. And the reward is to be able to be drawn closer rather than to resent them or to try to upend them or to sabotage them or something. So you see, it's really a very, very cool thing. So our view of those around us, 
now becomes elevated, and we look with new eyes and see new reflections. Go to verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if any is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. See, the sum total of looking up, realizing, believing, and acting is our transformation. We are new creatures, and we see them as new creatures in Christ as well. Let's finish those verses. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So, even better, because we're transformed, the world can follow, and you were talking about that earlier, earlier today. That is a reflection that you want to see something that is given the ministry of reconciliation that the world can follow. So you got to start by changing the man in the mirror. I, so, I, like, I like the illustration, Rick. We're covered in Christ's robe of righteousness. So we don't want to pull up the robe and look at, look at our brother or sister's flesh. We want to see Christ only in them. Right. We, will, we don't want to embarrass them. Yes. We want to cherish them. Exactly. That's really what it comes down to. Jonathan, just for the sake of it, let's go back to Man in the Mirror from the movie Joyful Noise. I just listen, because it's about making decisions that you want to see the world change. So how do you do that? You change yourself first. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, do you like what you see in the mirror? Coming up, the last piece of the puzzle is staying on course. What part does wisdom play? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. 
You're listening to Christian Questions. See videos, hear past shows, and talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Welcome back. Our subject for today is, Do You Like What You See in the Mirror? We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 Eastern and 6 to 8 Central. That means we're on right now. Join our conversation by calling 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. Or you can message us on your app. And if you'd like to write to us, you can write to us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. So, Jonathan, we've gone through these steps and the transformation of trading in your source of strength for God's strength. And, you know, that, that, before we get to this last segment, that is, if we don't grasp that point, we're going to falter. Because too many times what we do is we try to add God's strength to our own. But we can't do that. We have to trade in our, our true source of strength and make it godly, not human-based. And that's where His Spirit can really, really guide and direct us. So how do we stay on course if we do all of these things? So, in a simplistic form, wisdom is knowledge applied. Now, we know how to change our view of our reflection. We've been talking about that all morning. We need to keep that knowledge working. So, let's drop in. If we're going to talk about wisdom, let's drop in on King Solomon and observe the making of his wisdom. So, the scene that we're dropping into is Solomon has just become king. And here's what happens. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I should give you. Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love for my father David and have made me succeed him as king. O Lord God, let your promise to my father David now be fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and to come in before this people. For who can rule this great people of yours? Okay. So th- this, is, this is amazing when you think about it. You know, observations, is, these show an attitude that's ripe for the development of wisdom. Um, so God's command to Solomon is open-ended and reminiscent of finding Aladdin's lamp even. Because God says to him, he says, ask what I should give you. Wow. <laughs> That's a good question. And, and so here is where you see what's truly the most important thing to Solomon. So Solomon's answer begins by recalling God's mercy. What does he say? You have shown great and steadfast love to my father, David. So God's question is, what would you like me to give you? And Solomon answers by saying, well, I've observed your incredible mercy to my father. And now he goes further with his answer, and Solomon's answer is now very, very God-centered. What does he say? Oh, God, let your promise to my father David now be fulfilled. So, you notice he's not talking about, hey, here's what I want for Christmas. No, he's not. He's talking about, let your promise to my father, which is yet to be completely fulfilled, come to fruition now. So he's being very godly in his approach. 
And we can see God, uh, Solomon's answer is also full of humility. And you've been talking about humility, bringing that up throughout this whole program. What does he say? You have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Notice he doesn't say, hey, I'm king now, and I got me a really big kingdom. He says, you have made me king over this vast, vast kingdom. You, God, did that for me. Solomon's answer begs for wisdom and knowledge. Solomon's answer reiterates that God is, that it is the people of God that he is to rule. So he's saying in his answer, I'm, I'm sitting in this seat because you put me here to do what you would have me to do. So he is saying, uh, what I need is wisdom and knowledge. I don't need a Ferrari. I don't need a big castle. I don't need gold and jewels and all of that. I need wisdom and knowledge to take care of your people. What wisdom, Rick. What wisdom. That is amazing. And there's great humility in that wisdom. A great quote from uh, Cicero. The function of wisdom is to discriminate between good and evil. So, Solomon is asking for wisdom here in his application of being a king. Now, we had, we had a call, it's not uh, going on the air, but, a, but a, a caller called in and said that, you know, she's having a challenge in dealing with family that when she tries to, to, to deal with them, um, what ends up happening is they, you know, throw certain things in her face and, just, and there's no listening. Say, well, you know, what can I do? Well, how can I change that? And the answer, I think, Jonathan, is pretty simple. You apply the wisdom of Solomon. And you say, I have been given something wonderful. I can only focus myself to be conformed to what I have been given. I can't change that other person. But I can be the change that I would like to see in that other person. See, that's the kind of wisdom that Solomon was applying here. And he became incredibly wise. We're going to come back to Solomon in just a minute. Let's go to another soundbite from Epiphio on the power of habits. And this is great because it's talking about designing new habits. Because you know what? Habits seem to kind of like happen. The idea is to take control and design new habits. Let's listen. But Charles says the good news is we can also use this knowledge to our advantage. There was a big study that was done about how to create exercise habits. And so what they did is they told a group of people, okay, first of all, choose an obvious cue. Always go running at the same time every day. Or put your workout clothes next to your bed so that you see them first thing when you wake up. And then they said, and then go for a run or go work out. And when you get back from exercising, give yourself a small piece of chocolate. Now, this is kind of counterintuitive, right? Because people who are exercising are trying to lose weight, not eat more chocolate. And yet what the researchers knew is that their brain needed that reward. Their basal ganglia needed some reward. And what they found was that people who ate a small piece of chocolate after coming home from a run or a workout, they were much more likely to start exercising habitually. So according to Charles, whether you want to break a habit or start a new habit, the key is to divide the habit into its component parts, routine, and reward, and design it for the result that you want. So, Jonathan, I, I love that, first of all, because it's a reward of chocolate. Oh, there's nothing better. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all in for that. But the idea is very, very powerful. When we try to design new habits, oftentimes, you know, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to exercise, I'm going to do things, and there are things that are hard to do. And if there's no reward 
for the new habit, we're going to naturally gravitate toward the old habit that we had a reward that we're used to. Eat chocolate without exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's not a good place to go, brother. It's not a good place to go. But the idea is to design the habits. And so if our habits that we want to design are spiritually oriented, we need to design those spiritually oriented rewards that can come back to us and give us a sense of peace or fulfillment or, 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 or inclusion, whatever it is. Let's go back to King Solomon, Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for long life but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings had who were before you and none after you shall have the like. So God's answer to Solomon is is pretty interesting here. Let's go through some observations on, on God's answer. God blesses heart service and not lip service. What, what, what did God say to him? Well, because this was in your heart. Okay. What was in your heart? Desiring wisdom and knowledge. God read his heart and knew that that just wasn't, oh, this, is, this will be a good thing to say to God because I know this is what he wants to hear. This was, this is what I want and this is what I really truly need. God recognizes Solomon's humility. He said, you have not asked for possessions, wealth, or honor. Because those are the kinds of things that, you know, somebody asks you open-endedly, what do you want? People are going to say, oh, here's what I want. And they're going to go to that short-term mind versus the long-term mind. See, Solomon was entrenched in the long-term mind at this point. God fulfills the needs of a king who seeks. What did God say? Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And that is so powerful because he became so wise and, and so knowledgeable, and then God blesses in abundance. What did he say? I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings had who were before you, and none after you shall have the like. So, and we're going to touch on that wisdom and honor in just one moment. I just, I, I love the song, Man in the Mirror, and it really helps to illustrate making the personal change before you can change anything else. So let's just go to the end of that song from the movie Joyful Noise. King Solomon. First Kings 4, 29 to 31. 
God gave Solomon very great wisdom, discernment, and breadth of understanding as vast as the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. And in that verse it talks about he wrote all of these things and he said all of these things. And it was just amazing the breadth of what he was able to offer. Now the, the, the sad part of it is that Solomon lost his wisdom through vanity. Yes, he did. And he, he, he blew it. He had the most incredible opportunity of any human being up to that point in terms of wisdom and knowledge and he allowed the power of his, of his position to override it all. So it's a really sad circumstance. Uh, personal mirror management. If we apply wisdom to our lesson of seeing our own reflection as God does, we will begin to live <clears throat> with a peace and strength that we never knew existed. And I think that is where life changes. Jonathan, it's about beginning to look in the mirror and beginning to decide to see something different. And, and, and Rick, um, we, we know that God sees potential in us, but there's yes. more than that, isn't there? Yes. God, and, and, and sometimes that can be discouraging. Okay, God called me because I have all this potential, but look at me, I'm a wreck. But what God sees in us here and now is right here, right now, today, he sees the ability to take the steps to get to that potential. He's not seeing something that, well, okay, you'll only be good to me if all of these certain things can happen and then I'll pay attention. He sees in us the ability to know his will right now, take the decision right now, to take the steps right now, so we can begin to see the reflection in the mirror as God sees us, not as we see ourselves. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. Really enjoyed being with you. Back again next week with another subject, but till then, it is a choice. What reflection do you truly want to see when you look at yourself in the mirror? God in you. Jonathan and Rick and Christian questions. Till next week, think about it.